Here's the show that loves to talk about gadgets and gizmos, from A-Logic to Yamaha. Cameras to control panels. You get what I mean. We love talking all things techie. In fact, that's the name of the show. And here is your host, Justin Dawson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All Things Techie podcast, episode 91. This show's recorded on Sunday, the 3rd of March, 2024. My name is Justin Dawson, your host for the program. And if you'd like to get in contact with the All Things Techie, you can do through the Instagram, X, formerly Twitter, or email comments at allthingstech.ie. Or you can record a voice note and send it to us at www.allthingstech.ie. And you can, uh, which is our official website, where you're able to listen, download and view this episode or any of our past 90 plus episodes of our podcast. We also stream on shows on LinkedIn and YouTube. Well, it has been a busy start to 2024. I think I'm just after finishing editing all the videos from ISE in Barcelona. And if you want to look back on any of the videos of the event, you can view them at www.allthingstech.ie forward slash events forward slash ISE 2024. And my thanks to BZB Gear and X2O Media for sponsoring All Things Techie podcast during the week over at Barcelona. Personally, I also want to do a big shout out and thanks to all the listeners and supporters of the show. The ones that know about my autism advocacy and my constant campaigning for better health and educational services by our Irish state. Recently, I was interviewed by an Irish national newspaper and it's got viral attention. I always tell parents that children with disabilities are being ignored in Ireland and always to seek legal advice. I'm always willing to help parents on this journey, so please get into contact with me if you uh, read the article and need some support. With that said, it's time to talk tech, and March has brought a mixture of Irish weather from leaving a very damp Lusk, North County Dublin, waking up in the city centre from my train ride to a snow-filled Dublin city centre as I headed to the drone summit taking place in the RDS in Dublin on Friday the 1st and Saturday the 2nd of March. Take a listen. Good morning everyone. Uh, Justin Dawson, All Teams Techie Podcast. Uh, 1st of March and uh, I left Lusk, North County Dublin where it was raining and now it is proper snowing here in the south side of Dublin for the Drone Expo or the Drone Summit in the RDS for the next two days. Um, I don't think we're going to be flying any outdoor drones today. Uh, but this weather is crazy. Status yellow uh, snow, uh, obviously warning. Uh, I thought it was only rain warning, but snow warning for the next uh, 24 hours. So, uh, yeah. My hands are Baltic, so I'm going to put my, away my camera now. So the pace of technology is moving, it's unprecedented. People tend to underestimate what happens in 10 years and overestimate what can happen within a year. So we're on the cusp of more significant change and it's really starting to feel like the 1990s. We have AI coming, we have drones, we have all of these technologies coming and merging together. So for me, Events like this are vital because it provides a space for discussion to dream big. And I know dreaming is a big word, but we have a long history in Ireland um, 
when we throw our weight behind something, of achieving something. And aviation, you're going to hear about that. But there are a number of aspects that I wanted to cover off this morning that I think, having talked to a lot of people here, um, that over the next couple of days, aside from the incredible lineup, I think there's, there's a discussion to be had about what this industry wants to be and how it's going to go and get it. Um, I represent an industry that once stood in a position not too dissimilar to your own. Um, and there's an obvious kinship. There's a Venn diagram, there's a crossover between technology and drones in terms of software, data analytics. So I want to touch on some of the lessons from the tech industry and maybe suggest how some of those lessons can be applied. And of course we're talking about regulation. And regulation is not sexy, but it's absolutely necessary. It's like a, it's like a relationship. You know, it's the dull part of the relationship. It's the rules, that the ground rules that have to be set down. Usually they're being set down to me and my, my wife is usually setting them down. But there, there you go. So we have huge expertise and skills in Ireland and we have the skills required to be a global, global leader. It is a sector that's moving at pace, but I think talking to people, there's a feeling that the industry is now pulling at the leash. And that's, that's not unique. You know, right across industry, you'll find businesses that are frustrated with regulation, and particularly when it impacts the cost, the complexity of doing business. In the tech sector, it's every week. It's AI acts. It's Ireland refined, I don't know whether you read the news this morning, Ireland refined two and a half million yesterday for not implementing regulation. Why didn't we implement it? Because we didn't have a regulator. Because it took us four years to put five, hire five people and put them in a room. And we're now going to be fined from yesterday 10,000 euro a day. So there is an issue right across the Irish public sector, I believe, in terms of funding of that public sector and the ability of the public sector to meet and deal with the regulation that's coming down. And any regulation must be appropriate, affordable, implementable, implementable, and brought forward only after proper consultation. And these are the bedrocks upon which any industry thrives. It's the boring stuff. But if you can get a regulator and an industry that are working together with a government that will back it, things can happen very, very quickly. Um, one thing I should say is, people look at, oh, when your man represents the tech industry. But actually, it's a half and half story. Half of 51% of the turnover is large companies, but 49% are SMEs in Ireland. And people don't give enough focus to that. And I think this industry is very, very similar. So we have to give credit to the regulators and to some of the government departments because it's coming at them thick and fast and it's very difficult for them to ensure that it's implemented. So there needs to be fundamental questions asked about the funding of regulation and to what extent the public purse will support this industry. Um, my name is John Drysdale and I'm the chair of the Unmanned Association of Ireland. Um, when I'm not the chair of the Unmanned Association of Ireland, I work for Shannon Airport Group as business development. and. Uh, my background is I'm an aircraft engineer, that's, that's where I came from. I want to welcome you all to this, this summit. I think it's so important that we gather uh, as an Irish industry and uh, represent ourselves. But secondly, I want to congratulate the, the organisers of this, this event. I organise events around the world and it takes a lot of work to pull these things together. So well done to Ian, well done to Sarah, well done to Cassie 
for putting so much work into to making this happen. Well done. Um, like Brendan, I get asked often, what's, what's my business in drones? And in fact, uh, I was going through a press the other day and a tsunami of photographs taken from the 1980s and the 1990s fell out and they were of beaches and fields and castles from a 35mm camera strapped to the side of a balsam model airplane that I built myself, actuated by the servo. And uh, I don't know how many rules I was breaking at that time, if there were, maybe there wasn't so many rules at the time, but um, I, you know, I have a passion for this, and that's, that's the key word, you listen to Brendan there, that's passion, that's not, I'm doing my job today, that's a passion for the industry. And I look across the room here, and I know many of you have a massive passion for this industry, and that's something to be, to be uh, highly valued. But going back to that model airplane, which I built out of uh, balsa wood, uh, it was a tissue paper covering and cellulose uh, shrinking dope, uh, awful stuff. Um, just imagine if I thought that you could have an AK camera on a multi-rotor drone that would fly for 50 minutes from anywhere. I, that, that was stuff of dreams for me. And in, in just a few short years, this technology has been realized. It's quite astonishing. And you know, I want to give a shout out to the manufacturers who come up with this stuff. It's amazing. And it's really enabled an industry, and it's enabled also, as one of uh, our colleagues from, from the UAAI would mention, it's, it's steering into work that's dull, dangerous, and dirty. You know, if you're doing work that's dangerous, can it be done by a drone? If you're doing work that's uh, in enclosed spaces, you go over to one of the stands there, and you see a drone that would go into enclosed spaces. And I've worked in enclosed spaces. It's not, it's not pleasant. If you're doing uh, Coast Guard work, if you're rescuing people, drones can do this for you. And this is the amazing transformation and the amazing enablement that drones has given to our society. And we need to be very passionate about that and we need to continually press that. As Brendan said, we need to have a voice at government and lobby and fill in that uh, UAS uh, 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 opinion form and get your voice heard. Well, it's a bit of a wet day. Uh, it's just an awesome. It's the All Things Techie podcast. We're down at the RDS in Dublin for the Drone Summit for the next two days. Um, so it is actually snowing in Dublin on the 1st of March. Uh, wasn't expecting that when I actually left uh, Lusk, North County, Dublin, and then came to uh, the Drone Summit and arrived in the city centre and there was snow everywhere. It's, pretty miserable outside I have to say but we have live drones going on behind me here uh, in the net and uh, we'll be getting some footage of that as well we will also be finding out about there we go the drones are up tuned to the All Things Techie podcast, episode 91, available wherever you download your podcasts. We're streaming on Instagram, LinkedIn, and available to view on our YouTube channel. We'll be back with more from the Drone Summit in the RGS shortly, but let, first let's talk about what has made the latest tech news since our last podcast. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast if we're not talking about artificial intelligence AI. Dublin City Council has teamed up with artificial intelligence company OpenAI as part of its Smart Tourism initiative to demonstrate how AI can help with personalised travel recommendations. Now, I find this hilarious, listeners, because, you know, we have such problems with our traffic system. We still need to build an underground metro system that's going to cost 
billions and billions of euro and we're famous for making the most expensive children's hospital in the world. But uh, apart from that, uh, OpenAI has teamed up with Dublin City Council and the partnership will include a co-development of a proof-of-concept itinerary planner for Dublin to showcase cultural and heritage experiences in the city. The planner, which is a collaborative project between Dublin City Council, OpenAI and Dublin-based data consultancy Data and Design, has been designed to show how AI could create bespoke trips and itineraries instead of generic to-do lists in cities. Our AI technologies, including GPT-4, have, been, have great potential to enhance how people explore and experience destinations, said OpenAI's Vice President of Global Affairs, Anna McAndrew. Uh, we look forward to working together to create innovative solutions that will benefit visitors from, and cities alike. The move comes following Dublin's designation as EU Capital of Smart Tourism for 2024. The title is granted to a city which demonstrates an extraordinary commitment to shaping the future of sustainable and innovative tourism. Dublin was chosen from a pool of 30 candidates from 17 uh, countries with Dublin shortlisted alongside Cork, uh, Bremerhaven in Germany and the Italian city of Genoa Hellingsburg in Sweden, Sweden rather, and Spain's San Sebastian. Latest reports also show almost half of organisations in Ireland are using generative artificial intelligence in some form. A new survey has found, but indigenous Irish organisations are lagging behind multinationals in its adoption. The report also found that 47% believe that new technology will help enhance productivity versus 17% who believe it will do the opposite. Multinational said they used 30% of more generative AI than other indigenous organisations. The findings were published in the Generative AI in Ireland 2020 report by Microsoft Ireland and Trinity College Dublin's business school. Meanwhile, Elon Musk is suing OpenAI for the uh, makers of ChatGPT, arguing it has breached the principles he agreed when he helped to found it in 2015. So there's Elon Musk like trying to say that AI is dangerous at one stage, then he tries to build his own AI system, and now he is suing ChatGPT. The lawsuit, which was also filed against OpenAI boss Sam Altman, says the firm has departed from its original non-profit open source mission. It instead is, is tried to benefit humanity as it uh, was set up to do. It says instead of trying to benefit humanity as it was set up to do, it is focusing on maximizing profits for major investor Microsoft. The firm was created with the intention of building what is known as Artificial General Intelligence or AGI, AI that can perform any human task being, it is being capable of. It is also set up as a not-for-profit company, meaning that it would aim, not aim to make money. The lawsuit, which has been filed in San Francisco, states that it was under the conditions that Mr. Musk agreed to found OpenAI, along with Mr. Altman and co-founder Greg Brockman. He left three years later. The case is filed to compel OpenAI to adhere to the founding agreement and return of its mission to develop AGI for the benefit of humanity not to personally benefit from individual defendants and the largest technology company in the world, the lawsuit said. Uh, the filing comes after the Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday that US regulators had begun 
to probe the ChatGPT creator over whether investors had been misled following boardroom drama at OpenAI in November 2023. It says Mr. Altman suddenly ousted from the board before being reinstated at the helm several days later. The board at the time accused Mr. Altman of not being consistently candid in its communications and said the result they had lost confidence in his leadership. It was a route Microsoft became deeply embroiled in, including an offer to make take on any staff who quit OpenAI. Mr. Mux said in his post on X, his social media site formerly known as Twitter, that he is very worried by the situation. Microsoft's initial $1 billion backing of OpenAI in 2019 came shortly after the AI firm previously operating as non-profit announced it has cap profit structure which would allow an investment in it. There is several cases going on about AI uh, ChatGPT um, wasn't it the Wall Street, one of the uh, newspapers in the states? I th- was it the Wall Street Journal? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It might be. It might not be the Wall Street Journal, but one of the papers in the states claiming that they scraped all of the articles uh, to use with OpenAI and ChatGPT. I think that's an ongoing case still. So it really questions where is. OpenAI, ChatGPT going to go with all these uh, cases? Uh, Answers on a postcard? I don't know the answer to that, but uh, it is interesting times. Watch this space. The ex-account of Matthew Perry has been targeted by hackers, according to reports. A foundation set up to honour of the friend star who died last October appeared to be target of a link that pinned post at the top of his profile urging people to donate. However, the post actually linked to a duplicate site uh, that was uh, collecting money. An Instagram post on the Matthew Perry Foundation said, We have received reports that Matthew's official X page had been hacked and is directing users to a fraudulent site soliciting donations via cryptocurrency. Please do not donate to the site or share any fraudulent posts on social media. MatthewPerryFoundation.org is the only website associated with the foundation and we are only accepting donations through this site. A caption added, this is the only official Matthew Perry Foundation Instagram account and we will only ever post on official foundation communications. Now, I see 2024 may be over. And you can view all the videos of Barcelona and the week-long audiovisual event on our website, which is www.allthingstech.ie forward slash events forward slash ISE 2024. But I am now drawing my attention to Las Vegas. And I will be at Infocom this June. And if you are interested in sponsoring or advertising with All Things Techie, podcast while I'm over at Infocom 2024. Please get in contact with the show by visiting allthingstech.ie and I'll send you the media pack or if you're watching this video the details of how to get in contact with All Things Techie is at the bottom of your screen. Now back to the RDS Dublin where we were talking all things unmanned aircrafts and drones and of course uh, Neville Bounds from Biamp and also the uh, plane talking podcast uk uh, was over in the rds dublin as well and it was great to catch up with neville and his team but back to the rds dublin where we're talking about unmanned aircrafts and drones this is dennis tell, tell us a bit about yourself dennis and how you got involved in this 
Um, I, well, I work for Atex Sin uh, down in Shannon, County Clare. Um, with the company a year. Was a civil engineer before that. Right. With my own company. Um, wanted a new challenge. career and challenge. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And um, so I came with this because uh, this certainly uh, was challenging. Now, um, did, did you, had you done any drones type stuff before? I've never flown a drone before. No. So you just went into the whole mad aircrafts and just like this. This is a beast. Wait till we turn this around, and Dennis is going to tell you how how this actually operates and, and what's involved in it. So when did you start flying a beast like this blue? Okay, so um, Philip over here is actually our pilot. Okay. Um, and I'll bring you over in a few minutes to the ground control station. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go over there, I'll actually show you the ground control station first because that's what actually okay. activates the drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Philip. Hi, Philip. So, <laughs> Philip is the pilot of the UAV and this is the ground control station here. So this is how we operate the whole ground control station. This does the um, takeoff, the landing, the flying, the operating, and you can see all the operations. And this is our flight plan here, so maybe Philip might want to say a few words about this. Sure, yeah. So this is a new area we've been designing. It's on the west coast of Ireland, it's Caramel Point. And uh, it's a very simple mission. It takes off at the point and then climbs up one, two, and three, and enters a little loiter there at 100 meters, and then enters another one at 100 meters, and then it comes back down, does its approach, and then lands again at the point. If I zoom in again, you can actually see the takeoff and landing point. So there we go, that's the little field that we'd be using on, the, on, on that spot. What's quite interesting is that we've used uh, Google Earth Maps just for the basic um, planning, but then we've added a layer so that it shows us our flight geometry. The authorization allows us where to fly and where not to fly. And you can see that the geofence has actually been placed along the boundary. So the geofence is added as permission. If we wanted to go into this second sector, which is marked by the green, all I'd do is I'd pull the geofence out to this line and then I'd upload again and then we'd be able to fly a different mission. So I'd just change the mission and then be able to upload. Training um, required to actually fly the drone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we would start off just with basic, uh, it's a ground school, so you start off with a bit of theory just to know what the limitations are of the aircraft, what uh, speeds it does, what weights we allow to use, what's endurance fuel, etc. A little bit of te technical um, stuff which you, you require as a pilot. After that, we've got some, <coughs> excuse me, after that we've got some simulator sessions. So what you actually see on the right is a box and you can see how I've added the CGT-50, which is that guy there, that's the CGT-50. <laughs> that big beast over there. <laughs> so once I load them, all its, all its limits and uh, performance criteria are thrown into the simulator and we're allowed to play with a mission. So we get the student to actually set up a mission, take off VTOL, edit all its limits. Um, once that's done and they've got the gist of how to actually conduct a mission, we start throwing in a few failures. So we've got to know how to act, let's say if the engine quits or um, you know, we had a, a control authority issue or something. So in the simulator we actually go to fail modes and we've got a whole lot of failure modes so without knowing we can actually click on one of those and the drone will act as if the failure has occurred and the student will have to 
um, deal with that situation. So we've got a whole lot of training scenarios that we actually put the student through before we actually get to fly the drone. Once the student's happy with that whole um, setup, we go out to the field and we actually go through a few missions physically. So it's not just flying the drone, it's all the preparation before it's required to fly that drone. And it's an interaction, communication with the engineers that are out in the field as well. So yeah, in, in a nutshell, it's ground school, and then we head out and we actually fly the drone. It's fantastic. This is the payload bay here. Oh, wow. Okay. And so this is a, a gimbal camera. So this is an EOPIC 5 made by the Teroid. It, this is actually a, a mock-up, but that's the same size as the real thing. So you can fly that around. You can give live stream feedback through our autopilot back onto this ground control station here. So you can see what that camera sees in real time on the ground. Right. We also have a cloud GCS system, so our live feed goes back to our ground control station. Mm -hmm. That can link to a cloud GCS system. And if you were in Dublin and we're flying below in West Clare, like he said, it's live. You can see our live feed, we can give you access into it, and you can watch for that camera now, survey. Of course, like you talk about latency, like I work in audiovisual, like how, how, how much latency is it? Only seconds. Seconds. That's all. Wow. We, we are, we're involved in research projects at the moment and uh, some of that is to improve the connectivity all the time and to... Like, i, I just seen over there your big satellite dish. Is yes, that that's, um, that's works on 2.4 and 8.69 um, connectivity up to 30k visual line of sight. 30k um, visual, wow. But we can also use SATCOM, we can also use uh, LTE modems. Um, so so this, is, this is a whole separate network to exactly. your, to your we can cellular. we can have all three at the one time wow. so we can use cellular uh, radar or we can use satcom any one time we have used all of them so if you want i'll kind of tell you what happens yeah. for so philip is over he wants to start his mission yeah. he does his checklist and exiting then this this engine is only put on ticking over okay okay and then he puts on his four vertical takeoff motors okay right. So these will run at about 5,000 RPM. <laughs> yeah. And a bit, a bit faster than your normal blender then. A bit, bit faster. <laughs> She'll do a vertical takeoff. Okay. Goes up to maybe about 30 meters. And then the main engine, he'll kick in the main engine then and she'll, off she goes then. And she can go up to between 80 and 90 kilometers an hour. I was hour. about to ask that. that what yeah. is the top speed of these? So 80, 90 kilometers an hour would be top speed depending on the wind conditions. And uh, you can turn on your camera remotely then from your ground control station. You can zoom in, you can go at whatever altitude you want. I'm just looking at that monitor in the distance there. That, like, that so this would be with this EOPIC 5, that would be the kind of level of surveillance you could have. I'd have to go over now and check. But you could get that kind of quality at maybe two kilometers away. Wow. Okay, so, and depending of course on which camera you're using and all that. That's We're involved at the moment in a project with um, some project collaborators Blue Wise Marine and ATU in Galway mm -hmm. uh, where we're doing a comparative survey um, with manned aviation for doing ecological surveys for offshore wind farms using different uh, types of cameras and all that to show that we could do the exact same survey using this to manned aviation at a fraction of the cost yeah. with the very same achieving the same quality of data if not even better. So here we are still at the drone summit, uh, just on a piece of two camera with uh, Nev Bounds and the team from Plane Talking Podcast UK. Um, 
it's incredible to just think of how much these unmanned aircrafts are doing, um, whether it be, you know, for military, whether it be for protection, you name it, there's still displays going on. Uh, we have monster drone uh, services behind me here with a, a big display. Um, let's have a walk around some more of the booths and plenty of talks going on at the drone summit today. Yeah, as I said, engineers of drones, we do technical services. We don't do anything else. Um, I want to talk about the sort of data that we're producing at the moment. I'd also very much like to feel any questions you guys have. Um, I'm very much an on-the-ground sort of drone user, uh, drone company, so anything you guys might want to ask at any point, grab, jump in anytime. Alright, why do we use drones? There's three big reasons. Eliminating working at height, eliminating confined space, and eliminating repetitive tasking. Or as Julie likes to say, I'm sure you all know Julie here, dull, dirty, and dangerous, get rid of those, that's why you use a drone. Alrighty? Um, Going to say something a little, uh, oh, not yet, but roughly speaking, anybody who's in industry knows this particular one. Drones are coming in at the very top. That is to say, they're eliminating the need to put people in dangerous situations. This is one of the primary drivers at industry level, which is where I am, of why people are talking to us and want our services. Um, it's not about the drone. Controversial to say the drone event, but this is one of the most important aspects of any of you here are looking to bring drone services in. A lot of people get caught up in the drone, the carbon fiber, the blades, the AI, da 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 da. These are all buzzwords to anybody who's actually buying drone services. What they care about is the deliverable, not the drone. They don't care how it's gotten, they just want this one. This is where we concentrate on when we're actually talking to industry. To them, an M300, an M30, an M3, they're all just nerd words. I landed here on Tuesday from a, I think 32 degree C Johannesburg and I can't take this coat off. So <laughs> thank you for that. I live in one of the top four uh, most crime ridden cities in the world. South Africa boasts top four in 20 most deadliest and violent cities in the world. We rank number three in the crime index and there are many, many statistics. These are just some of them. Um, for solo female travelers, South Africa is the most dangerous country in the world. And we have the top, or we are ranked the top three uh, murder capitals in the world. Other than that, we have a great lived experience every day at the risk of death. Um, do come and visit, it's lovely. Crime on our critical infrastructure, rails, pipelines, um, state-owned enterprise infrastructure, copper cable theft is as much as and more than $490 billion a year. That is actual theft, cost of replacement, vandalism, and operational losses. And um, 
The World Bank released a paper in November on crime in South Africa, and it's costing our country 10% of its GDP annually. So on that depressing note, again, do come and visit, it's lovely. How do we tackle this crime? We have a police force. Uh, we have some private investigation units. We have Metro Police. But it's private security in our country that actually tries to tackle crime. Any place in the world that I present this, um, people are just shocked. We have about 4% of our 60 million population registered as security officers, private security officers. Um, only about 586,000 are employed, actively employed, in about 12,000 registered private security companies in South Africa. But law enforcement itself, so those that have to enforce the law by arresting and you know, taking it through the, the legal process, probably got less than 50,000 commissioned police officers. And there's a big recruitment drive, etc. I actually have an industry colleague sitting right there, and in our world, in security, we rely on law enforcement to actually take it further. We, we do a certain part of it, and it kind of doesn't work. But that is why, private security outnumbers law enforcement by 4 to 1. I don't think that happens anywhere else in the, in the world. And our military personnel is dwindling, so in really bad scenarios like we had a few years ago, the military is called, but we don't really count, count on that. Um, enter drones. So this, this is one of our babies. Um, but in our world of private security in South Africa, and I'm gonna use drones, but UAS, you know what I mean. Um, it, the drones have become an unnegotiable, non-negotiable uh, tool that we need to use. So how do, we re how do we operate legally within our regulations? Um, I'm just going to touch on this. We spoke earlier on about the regulations, just like anywhere in the world. We always think we are the poor people who have to work with an over-regulated environment, and we do. Um, essentially, we have to have a, um, an air service license that's issued by the Department of Transport. We don't transport people yet. Um, and then we have to get a commercial drone operator license. And we have to get that in our country if we do anything that shows interest, profit, or gain. So basically, any time you use a drone in your back garden, that's not for just taking pictures of your own back garden. You've got to be certified. Um, we have to um, train and certify our own pilots. They have to have endorsements. Um, and that's a, that's a biannual renewal, and we have to register our drones. And that beautiful process took us two and a half years. It's still taking about 18 months, depending on, on who it is. 
And then, of course, within that, you have an operational specification. So you have to tell the regulator what you want to do with the drone, where, and for what. And then, you know, prove your safety case, and you'll then be allowed to operate. So, um, in in drone security, we have to do everything, everywhere, whenever we want to, over people, property, and public roads. And so we have that operational specification. We've been operating BBLs for years now in day and night operations, control day space, uncontrolled day space, etc. Okay, so I always joke about this in forums, um, and I don't really know where everyone fits in, but ordinarily when I would ask the question, what do we need for a security drone operation? Everyone's like, drones! Yes, it's obvious, so we need a drone. Um, we need someone to pilot it. Of course, we are moving towards a world, and we have to, where we have fully autonomous operation. Um, you know, Tom's operations and our operations put people in harm's way. We don't really want to do that forever. At some point, we have to take people out of the equation, but right now, we still need a pilot. We need a vehicle. We work at night, we work on mines, we work on remote locations. We need to be on site, depending on the, the, um, the UAS use. We need to be within within like a, a 10k radius of, of what we're doing. Batteries, and Elon Musk is not doing his thing quickly enough. And so batteries are a huge thing as part of an operation. People forget that. Oh, and we need someone who's actually going to have a problem to solve. Right. Um, and then your operation looks something like this. Okay, you're either working from inside a vehicle or from the back of a vehicle. But our people are exposed to heat, to cold, to mosquitoes, to gunfire, and, and everything in between. Or it would look something like this um, for, for VTOL operations, depending on where it is. These guys are hugely exposed. This is a, a low-risk environment. So now we, we need to think about the building blocks of what actually is this operation, because it doesn't just stop with those few things that I've mentioned. So the drone has to be fit for purpose. Oftentimes I'll have someone that says, I bought a drone and uh, I, I need to just start doing drone security work. I'm like, what did you buy? DJI Mini. Yes, okay, that's cool. Um, so it needs to be fit for purpose, needs to have proper thermal capability, needs to have range, etc., etc. We need to know what the limitations are. Um, our clients think that the drone is a silver bullet. It is not. It's a tool in the toolbox. It is a layer of defense as part of many layers of defense. Uh, wind turbines, this is the bread and butter and low hanging fruit. Uh, getting people on ropes, which by the way is uh, how it used to be done. People on ropes, you'd abseil down the blade and have a look at it. Nowadays the drone is doing everything for you. You're getting such detail that you can see the individual fibers of the blade where it's worn away on the leading edge. Incredible detail, no problem at all. Um, building envelopes, the amount of energy that's going to be saved in the future by somebody flying a drone around the building, looking for all of the leaks and saying, there, 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 quickly, efficiently, plug all those leaks, a lot more energy kept within the building and a lot more, um, a lot more uh, carbon and all that good sort of good stuff saved. Uh, bridges, this is the living bridge in the UL, I don't know if you know it, they were having a deep issue with corrosion that shouldn't have been there. This goes over the Shannon River, you're talking bolts, you're talking scaffolding, you're talking all sorts of mess and disaster. Or you just get a guy with a drone, you put him in a seat under the bridge, and you fly along. Funny story about this one, 
the middle of summer, so all the farming students were coming in, they had just started, and they were all walking along the bridge, and it, it, I, I was sitting underneath like a little troll, uh, and every now and then you'd hear me like, where are all these bees? I, I can't see them, because all they heard was a little small drone, and they were like, there must be a, a herd of bees knocking around here somewhere. Um, yeah. On the internal side, very much into the technical side here, but you cannot imagine what happens. The moment you put confined space entry into any work pack, it turns into a disaster. Or, you call us. Confined space work, internals of roofs, uh, stacks against the power plant, looking at all the wells and all of the stuff like that. To get in and up there, that's about 20 meters high, that's about maybe 5, feet, five or 10 meters diameter big, large space, and the entire entry into that uh, area is this big. So every piece of scaffolding, every piece of everything you want to put in there has to come through a hole this big, or you call me. Um, water tanks, a lot of fire water tanks, empty them out, bring us in, easy. There was one tank we got to, I think it's maybe that one, nah, no, not that one, that one. They were going, this was a tank about half the size of this entire room, big, huge tank, NAFTA. They were going to cut a hole in the side of the tank with a torch, knock down the wall, and drive a mute into the tank, and then go off. The tank, tank's about twice the height of this, um, and do this because the only access they had was a hole this big. Or you call us with a drone, we were there for half a day, no problem at all for them. They got all the imagery they needed. Uh, I've got a great shot of a hole in the top of raining. It's actually pouring water into the tank. Don't have it here, unfortunately. Um, underwater, underground tanks, like concrete tanks, you know, getting really high detail in on all of the apertures and stuff like that. Very much able to see exactly what the sort of issues are. HRS uh, burners, that's a pretty cool one. So, I don't know if you can see here, we can easily read the writing on all of the burners. This is a power plant. Uh, HRSG. You can see the sooting around the, the around the burners there. Very, very high detail. To any engineers in the room, this is pure nerd porn. For everybody else, not so much. But trust me, this is this is heavy stuff for a lot of uh, a lot of engineers. Well, thank you for tuning in and listening and viewing the All Things Techie podcast, episode ninety-one. If you'd like to get in contact with the program, the details is on the bottom of the screen. You can tweet me at Justin Orr Dawson. At AV Tech Junkies is the, uh, the also the show Twitter handle. You're on YouTube and on Instagram as well. And we also stream on LinkedIn. Um, thanks for listening. Enjoy your week. And we'll talk to you really soon. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Techie Podcast, part of the Extreme Media Network. Follow us on Twitter at AV Tech Junkies. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch our show on YouTube by visiting youtube.com forward slash at Justin underscore or underscore Dawson. Previous episodes of our show can be found on our official site, www.allthingstech.ie. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie.